0: Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
1: Joe. Yo-
2: Some wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the turn just cowers to think of the power he lost when the cross had its day. Gone are the mornings when with fear without warning would win and again have its way now when satan reminds me of things i regret i bring up calvary lest he forgets Of sorrow and shame, grace, sign my pardon. As Christ took the blame, when I'm called to answer for my. All my past, I feel the heartbeat of mercy inside me, and now I have found joy. took the blame
0: Today, you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
3: ...and instrumentalist for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, What a wonderful time of worship we've already had. Uh, This week, I was at the hospital most of the week, and my dad kept on telling me, he said... He said, son, you're going to have to get somewhere where you can study and you can get some things done, because I know you've got to preach on Sunday. And I told him, I said, all of my deacons have always reminded me that no one ever complained about a short sermon. <laughs> you're not getting a short one. <laughs> Turn with me as we begin uh, four weeks of looking here at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This morning we're going to be looking at the plea for unity so turn there with me Ephesians chapter 4 let's go to Lord and pray together Lord Heavenly Father we come to you today and we are so thankful to know that we're never alone and Lord that we can always trust you and Lord I know that we bring a lot of different baggage into this place and I just pray that now we could just kind of push it to the side and truly be able to hear from you Lord, we recognize that there is nothing more that you would desire for us than unity. Lord, that we would love one another in the same way that you have loved us. And Lord, that because of that, that a watching world would see that we're different. And the difference isn't just uh, so- something that can be explained away, but Lord, that it's, it's you, that it's Jesus, that that's the only way to explain the love that we have for one another, the unity that comes, even in the midst of, of maybe differences of opinion from time to time. Uh, but Lord, that we are unified in Christ. Lord, I pray for the ones today here uh, that don't yet know you as Savior and as Lord. And I pray that today that they might be uh, unified with you today. Uh, Lord, they might recognize their sin and their, and their need for you, their need for a relationship with you. And Lord, that today might be the day of salvation for them. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we come here to uh, chapter 4, in verse 1, Paul calls the church, you'll remember last week, to remember where we came from. And all the Lord has done for us in Christ. And he uses the word, therefore, to call our minds to all that he has taught us thus far in his letter here. And so he has been writing about doctrines and precepts and belief. And now he turns his attention to duty and practice and behavior. The phrase at the end of verse 1 that reads, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called is, again, worth our attention, I believe, this morning. The word vocation refers to a calling or that career, and it refers to a person's life's work. The calling we receive from God to come to Christ by faith was not a call for simply weekend getaways, something that we might do for an hour or two on Sunday. Rather, it was a call to live a radically different life, a life that has been changed by God for the glory of God. And so we're called to live differently because we now know Jesus and He has made us a new creature in Him. And so we are to live lives that are worthy of what we have now been given in Christ. And remember that word worthy means to balance the scales we talked about last week. We are to live lives that prove that we belong to the Lord. We are to live lives that glorify him in this world. We are to live such weighty lives that we balance the scales with God. And having told us what God expects of us, Paul now moves to tell us how to bring this to pass In our lives. And he teaches us in these verses how to walk the worthy life. And on one of the clearest ways the church can prove the reality of what it teaches is by living out the essence of what Paul talks about throughout this letter to the Ephesians. He mentions here in verse 3, again in verse 13, the idea of unity or the idea of, of an agreement with one another. It simply means that we are to walk together as one in the Lord. So let me just pause here and say that unity is God's goal for his church. The book of Ephesians is about God's grace that reveals itself in our salvation. As part of that process, it's the idea of unity within the church. Consider the following truths, that God's grace unites the Trinity in bringing us to God. They're in agreement. They're in unity in this. We see the Father chose us unto salvation. The Son redeemed us with his own blood upon the cross of Calvary. And the Spirit seals us for all of eternity. The Godhead is in unity about our salvation. God's grace unites Jews and Gentiles together in one body, which is the church. We see that God's grace and salvation reconciles us and unites us to him. So notice these verses that speak about The issue of unity. In Philippians 1, 27, he says, "...only let your conversations be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." Also in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, ye all walk, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Romans chapter 12, verse 16, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If there be, therefore, any consolation to Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man of his own things, but every man also of the things of others. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says, Finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. If the Lord is that interested in the unity of the church, then we should be interested in the unity of the church as well. In verse 3 of our text, we're called to keep or to maintain the unity of the church. And so I want to spend some time this morning looking into these teachings. The the fact is, is that we are not always unified, are we? Even as the church, we are not always unified. We are not always on the same page. We are not always pulling in the same direction for the glory of God. Too often we each have our own agendas that compete against what is the right thing for the kingdom of God? And so this text is a plea. It's Paul's plea to the Ephesian church to be unified. And so I want to plead with you this morning for the unity of the church as well. So if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the location wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You may be seated. I want to point out three things that Paul pleads with us about in these verses. First, the words of this plea. Paul says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Several words in that verse merit our attention this morning. The first being endeavoring. That word means hastily or, or zealous. It suggests that we allow nothing to hinder us from speedily striving. To secure the unity of the church. It speaks of of a holy zeal that demands constant attention. And then he says keep. That word means to guard. Notice that it does not say to create. It says to keep, to guard. We cannot manufacture unity within the church. We cannot fake unity. We can only protect or guard the unity that we already have with one another. So Paul calls it the unity of what? The unity of The Spirit, because if it were not for the Spirit, there's no way that we would be unified. You see, the phrase reminds us the unity, the agreement, the common ground within the church is not the product of our own efforts to be unified. This agreement, this common ground, is that which is produced within us because the Spirit of God lives within each and every one of us. The Lord no longer lives in a temple in Jerusalem. He lives within us. He dwells within us. And so that is the spirit that unifies each and every one of us. And so we are to maintain this unity in the bond of peace. That word bond refers to a band or that which binds together. And, of course, peace speaks of tranquility or harmony or, or, or uh, accord. The, the belt that binds the church together is the unity of peace. So when we are at peace with one another, we are to be able to keep the unity of the Spirit. But then secondly, we see the witness of this plea. The church always gives a testimony to a watching world. I hope you realize that. Regardless of how you are living your life, if you claim to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are giving a testimony. And we as a church family are continually giving a witness to a watching world. The church has no greater testimony than when we are united in Jesus in spite of our differences. No greater witness. And by that same token, there is no greater slander against the cause of Christ than a church family in which the members are at odds with one another, constantly fighting, constantly bickering, constantly looking for their own way. Listen to what Jesus says in John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. That is the testimony. John chapter 17, verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. As we are. And then in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I, gave, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in, in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and thou hast loved me. I don't know if you've looked around lately, But we are a pretty diverse bunch of people. We're pretty different. We have different views on things. We're we're different from one another in about every way imaginable. Physically, we have differences. Intellectually, we have differences. Economically, we have differences. Even spiritually speaking, there are some some differences in the the things that we think and believe. All completely against the unity that we would want to have. Those are all things that could pull us apart naturally and yet with all those differences we have common ground when we came to Jesus the Holy Spirit took up residency in our heart and because of that regardless of all of these other differences that the world says should cause us to be fractured we're now able to be unified look at 1 Corinthians 12 13 he says for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see, when he is in you and he is in me, he can cause us to move past our differences, to walk together in unity to the glory of God. And so when we are at war with one another, we have lost our testimony with a watching world. When we walk out of unity, we're telling them that we are no different than they are, that we just simply want our own way. Down through the ages, the world has formulated treaties, agreements, held conferences, signed accords, all in an effort to bring peace. How many times have we seen a president sit down with the Palestinians and the the Israelis and say, this is when we're going to get lasting peace, and it never happens, and it never lasts. Every single treaty that has ever been signed by men since the dawn of recorded time has failed. And why is that? Because there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Isaiah 48, 22. We are not a people who naturally are at peace with one another. The world cannot find peace because they have no ground for peace. And we are no different. The Spirit of God, if He is not within us, we will be fractured. We will be separated. We will find every reason to fight and to bicker and to complain. But when we have him, we can be different. The Spirit of God can dwell within within us. And every true believer to God direct and calls us to produce what we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. That Paul speaks of there in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. Which always leads to peace within the church. Because we're no longer looking for our own gain, for for our own desires to, to happen, to get our own way. But now it's about him. When we walk in the peace that we have been given through the Spirit, we magnify the Lord Jesus and show the world that there is something, something very different about us. In verse 2, Paul speaks about humility and gentleness and patience and and loving tolerance. Every one of these spiritual characteristics flows out of genuine love one for another. Every one of them comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. And so we will flesh those things thoughts out in greater detail over the next few weeks but for now we need to know that God's will for his people is that we walk in unity that we are all pulling in the same direction in the same way for the glory of the same God but then thirdly and lastly I want you to see the wisdom in this plea it says walking in this unity walking in unity does not mean that we always have the same ideas and opinions on every issue did you realize that sometimes we have differences of opinion You ever gotten on Facebook? We have differences of opinion. We have differences in our opinion from time to time. And and that's also healthy and good. It's okay. There needs to be a diversity of thought and and, and not an intellectual and spiritual totalitarianism that directs and dictates every single person. And and no one's allowed to, to think anything different. That wouldn't be healthy. So walking in unity doesn't mean that we always believe exactly the same on every single issue even within the church. It does mean that we lose, it it doesn't mean that we lose our individuality when we are saved. It, It does mean, however, that we are marked by a common purpose and led by a common Savior. It does mean that when the Lord gives us his clear direction, that we put aside our personal opinions and we walk together for the glory of God, and the good of the gospel it does mean that the unity of the church is more important than me getting my way or you getting your way 100 percent of the time it does mean that the unity of the church always comes ahead of my own personal agenda it does mean that the unity of the church comes before my feelings because it's about him never about me and never about you it's about the lord jesus christ And so nothing shows the world that we are different from them in our walk more than our being different in this specific area. When they see us at odds, we can forget the gospel because we will not reach them for Jesus. When they see us bickering and complaining and never able to agree on anything, then they're going to say, I don't need a part of a Jesus like that. But when they see us walking in unity, as it is manifested in true humility and gentleness toward one another, patient endurance of one another, and loving tolerance of our differences, it will do more to reach the world than any outreach program that has ever been devised by Lifeway. They will see something genuine. And so our unity says that we are real. That what is inside of us is not something manufactured by man, but it is something supernatural that has come from God. They may reject our truth, but they will not be able to get past our supernatural unity. If we are right about Jesus Christ and the gospel, that is common ground from which we can operate together. It's wrong for there to be divisions between you and me because we disagree on some small piece of of doctrine. And too often we allow those kinds of things to divide us, things that God never meant to divide us. It's wrong for us to allow our personal opinions and preferences to drive wedges between us. It's wrong for me to hold so sternly to my view and my rights that I damage the church of the living God. Because I think it's only my way or the highway. We must never sacrifice truth for the sake of unity, though. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm not preaching unity at all costs. I'm preaching that we are to allow the love of God placed in us by the Holy Spirit of God to reign supreme in our lives and in our church. And so, there are some truths that must be defended to the death, even if it costs unity, because they are just essential to us understanding who Jesus truly, truly is. There are some things that are not open to interpretation. We are to give liberty to others in those areas and not judge them for their actions or beliefs. And everything, whether we stand together or whether we must separate over our differences, every action is to be motivated by love of Christ in us for the other person. As a church, we must be seen as a a unified people. And I recognize that here at Brinesburg, in the past, we have seen our share of disunity, praise the Lord, I believe that is gone, and we are in a day of unity, a day of love for one another. However, we all recognize, those of us that have been through that, we recognize that the scars of that turmoil can still be visible. Some people who used to be here are no longer with us, and because of that, we as a church suffer spiritually and emotionally, and yet... I'm still saved, and I believe if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, so are you, and he's still using us. If we're saved, the Holy Spirit lives within both you and me. And if we allow him to fill us with his presence and power, then we will bring, be brought to that place of absolute unity and purpose for the glory of God. God can still use us, and when he brings us to that place, we will see the Lord work around here in ways that we could never imagine. And I think we've seen that in the last few years. We've seen what a unified church can accomplish for the cause of Christ in our own community, in our own state, in our own nation, and literally around the world. That when we are unified, something supernatural takes place. And so I believe that we need to gather as a church. And we need to ask the Lord to forgive us for any disunity that we might have been a part of in the past. And so some of us have already done that. Some of us have done that, but perhaps there's others who that's the issue that you can't quite get past. And if you have offended a fellow believer and you're aware of it, you need to make it right. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, he says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First reconcile to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. And if you've been offended, if you've been offended by another, then you need to go and, and you need to forgive the offense. You need to be able to move past that. Matthew chapter 18 verses 20 through 20, 21 through 22. Um, then came Peter to him and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say, not unto thee until 7 times but until 70 times 7. The Lord calls us to forgive in a supernatural way that can only be done because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And so some of us need to forgive. Some of us need to be able to move past it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 he says and And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Tonto and the Lone Ranger were riding through a canyon together one day when all of a sudden both sides of that canyon were filled with Native American warriors on horseback dressed for battle. And the Lone Ranger turned to Tonto and he asked him, What are we going to do? And Tonto replied, what do do you mean, we, white man? That's the way some in the church think, but it ought not be that way. We're in this together. Life can be difficult, and we are in this together. Do we always agree? No. Do we always have the exact same opinion on everything? No. But we can be unified in the Spirit. We can be one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so some of us may need to do some business here at the altar. Some of us may need to do some business going to another pew, forgiving someone, asking forgiveness of someone. Some of us need to recognize that right now we are not united with the church body because we are not united with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, and therefore you can't be a part of what God's doing here because you're not a part of the family. And so today would be a great day for you to come and to be saved. Today would be a great day for you to recognize your sin and your need for the Savior. And we'd love to explain how that can happen. Some of you need to be united because right now you're, you're a Christian, you have a relationship with Christ, but, but you, you've never come and, and joined this church family. And maybe that's the decision that needs to be made. But if the Lord's moved on your heart today, would you be obedient and answer Him? Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you so much for this reminder of how important it is to you that we be unified one to another. That we love one another, that we forgive one another, that that we not hold on to grudges and, and, and hatred from past wrongdoing. But Lord, that we move past it for the cause of Christ. And so Lord, today I recognize that there may be some things that we need to do. Some apologies that need to be extended. Some forgiveness that needs to be extended. Some folks that need to come to you and say, I'm a sinner in need of you and they need to be saved. Some folks that may need to say, you know what, this is is my church home, and I just need to make it official so I can start serving. Lord, whatever it is that folks are dealing with this morning, I pray that you make it clear to their hearts and in their minds and give them the holy boldness to step forward and to take action, as you've called them to. Lord, we love you. So Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m., and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m., with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.